2: Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.
1: That's who we in applesauce. Three words for that. Who, blah, and blah. When I'm wrong, I say I'm Ah, oh, it's
3: gangbusters. shame.
1: Hello, football fans. Your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek here. Welcome to episode number 29 of the Dave Damashek football program coming up today. We're going to jump into the DeLorean, take it up to 88 miles an hour, see who is going to win the big games of the weekend. And we're also going to be talking to Jeff Perlman, the man who has written the book Sweetness The Enigmatic Life of Walter Payton. Get a, getting a lot of good reviews and a lot of negative noise from Walter Payton and Chicago Bears fans. So looking forward to kibitzing with this fella. In the meantime, let me say hello to uh to our co-host or whatever we call him here a man who's picked six column on nfl.com right now talks about what nfl players would make great head coaches this off of the new the news that the white Sox almost hired paul canerco to be a player manager i think that would be cool if we had more of that going on it's adam rank what's going down rank what's up boss thanks for having me, me? yes i'm pleasure. doing great yeah so who was number one? Who's your favorite? Uh, who's, what, what NFL player should be a coach? Jay Cutler. Because? He's stoic on the sidelines, mm-hmm. just like in the
2: image of Bud Grant and Tom Landry. We saw last year when his team was playing in the NFC Championship game, he was on the sidelines emotionless, just like yes. you like your coach to be.
1: That's right. Yeah, that, that makes good sense. Yeah, he's no Jim Schwartz or uh, Rex Ryan pumping fists or anything. Yeah, no, that's no, too much. Stone-faced. Yeah, that's too much. I also like Tim Hightower. Why so? Coach. So he could figure out who's going to be the running back for the Redskins. Oh, that's a good idea for any fantasy Just, player. Yeah, yes. yeah, any fantasy player. All right, listen. Yes, all sorts of fantasy news um, out there, too, to be consumed by you at NFL.com and on NFL Network, NFL Fantasy Live, six days a week. And uh, you can look for my jazz, my hooey and applesauce at davedamashek.nfl.com. The Shame Report, thanks to so many of you who uh, have been checking that out of late. And uh, a lot of you ask, a new NFL, the alternate universe. Ooh. That's coming up very soon, very soon in animated form and all the other uh, jazz. The Uniform Monitor, in mm-hmm. fact. I should plug that. Every, yes, please Every do. Sunday morning, as soon as we get off the air from the fantasy show rank, I sit down at the computer and I bang out my uh, my highlights and look. Lowlights in in uh, sartor- in sartorial terms. Mm-hmm. Is there yeah. one you're looking forward to this week? I don't like. Uh, well, the, it, it, this is more college football. I don't like this trend, and I, I probably am going to have to speak out on it this weekend. Is the thing of like the stripes on the pants are now like um, they almost look like scratches from a from a beast of some oh, sort. Yes. You know, Baylor has that. Mm-hmm. I don't care for it. It looks it looks very cats like. It looks like you're. Uh, not so much a football player as a uh, you know as a as a somebody on the Broadway musical Cats. <laughs> you know what I mean?
2: Right. What do you feel about the uh, Oregon Ducks when they have that kind of metal looking thing they put on their shoulders?
1: I'm not a huge Oregon Ducks fan, but I don't hate it as much as as most people do. There are far worse uniforms out there. Maryland is is uh, one of the ones I'm talking about. I'm also being told right now in my ear by uh, by our producer the Wilk tie. That uh, we're going to be speaking with Broncos wide receiver Eric Decker in a little is while. Is that too. for real? This show is jam packed, right? Wow. It's like a real show or something. Absolutely, I can't wait to talk to him about the story of the week. it, is, it yes. is a cloud that has obscured every other story in the NFL. Tim Tebow, did you hear? Is going to be the starting QB. Wait, not what? this Sunday. Not this Sunday next sunday so we're gonna have we 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 have more than a week's worth of this jazz going and i talked about it on the shame report and i'll repeat myself here and i know people don't like this opinion a lot of people don't but tim tebow is not good he is not good enough to be an nfl quarterback he is tailor-made to be a great college quarterback he was ideal for that he was one of the biggest players out on the field in college not so in the nfl Yeah, everybody says, well, he can bounce off of guys. He can't take a pounding like that when that is the only thing he's capable of doing. To liken him to Cam Newton or Ben Roethlisberger, who aren't inclined to, whose only thing that they can do is run the football, that would be a problem. They would also eventually wear down, too, from that. That's the only thing Tebow can do is tuck the ball under and run. When there's no threat of him beating you up top, that is, uh, that's going to be a short-lived uh, little run he has of success is the idea that he can uh, take off with the football. But he, he, pra- he poses no threat downfield. He literally struggles, and I, I do know the difference between literally and figuratively, <laughs> he literally struggles to get the ball 30 yards downfield. That is unacceptable for an NFL quarterback. But did you not see what happened at the end of the, t- of the game against the Chargers? I did, and here's what it is owed to. The Chargers did not know Tim Tebow was going to oh, be in the for game. crying out when loud. When an NFL team has a week-to-game plan for Tim Tebow, they will be able to take him away. You'll see. You'll that see. happened a lot. He did it over a number of games last year, too.
2: Everybody had a chance to game plan for him then. He still did fine. This is the same thing, but you you were saying, that not you specifically, but critics were saying about Cam Newton, like, oh, give the guys enough time to game plan for Cam Newton. They'll find a way to stop him. Still haven't done it yet.
1: Well, first of all, let me say this. Those two guys aren't really all that comparable as far as I'm concerned, because cam newton throws a dynamite deep ball and i also forecasted cam newton would be an nfl uh would be a great nfl quarterback like everybody else i didn't think he would from week one be an, a great nfl quarterback but those two guys uh that's i uh, to me that's where the comparison ends is that they're both are great runners and that they're relatively young i i, I absolutely tim tebow his throwing motion takes forever he looks like a big league pitcher thrown out of the stretch Fernando not,
2: Valenzuela maybe
1: yes like Fernando or anyone else you want to talk about he does not look like he, i mean any b- besides that he's just wildly inaccurate and i joke about it but only half kiddingly brandon lloyd happens to bail him out i mean he goes 4 of 10 look at the numbers he goes 4 and 10 uh, 4 out of 10 um throws against the uh against the bolts and that's because brandon lloyd is making spectacular impossible catches. Or is he
2: just putting it in a place where only Brandon Lloyd
1: can catch it? All right. Well, listen... I think that this is not going to work out. I completely understand why the Broncos want him in there. In fact, their fans too may as well make it exciting. Kyle Orton is anything but exciting. He might be a capable NFL QB, but he's not. He doesn't inspire a lot of enthusiasm. If you're sitting there and you have season tickets, I can see if I were a Broncos fan, yeah, give us the kid. And for that matter, if you're John Elway trying to make decisions about the organization going forward, at the very least, you have to understand: Did we just completely waste this first-round draft pick? Do we need to reset things when we're drafting next spring? I I, I understand all that. I'm just telling you what's going to happen. He is not going to work out. At the end of the season, it will not be, mark my words, I guarantee you. I'm going to make a, guarantee. another guarantee. Here's another. Uh, this is my first guarantee. Okay. I guarantee you in late December, early January, the buzz will not be Tim Tebow is obviously the number one quarterback for the Broncos next year. They will be looking to turn the page. Hear me now. Believe me later. So it's the best of
2: both worlds for them. Either Tim Tebow goes out, proves he can be a, a number one quarterback, they win a couple of games, they're competitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If not, they're not competitive. It goes the other way, and then they're in the sweepstakes for the number one overall pick. I don't know who that pick would be because hmm. we're we're not allowed to talk about who that pick might be. But they would be in line probably for a
1: guy who could play. They, they could play the same play, same position as Tebow. All right. Well, and here's I'm going to make one other guarantee for you. And I can't wait to talk Uh, uh, about this. Two guarantees. Yes. Here's another guarantee for you. This and and, you know, 29 Tim Tebow one feels a little bit easier for me than this one. I'm going to make for you. Get ready for this. The Philadelphia Eagles, are. we're going to jump in the DeLorean, and we'll see once and for all what happens this week. But the Philadelphia Eagles are not only going to beat the Redskins this week. They're about to go on a run. Mike Vick's about to catch fire, and that team's about to go on a run and get themselves back into the playoff picture. And you're guaranteeing both of these. I am guaranteeing (laughs) it. Hear me now, believe me later. Like that that guy in uh, Philadelphia has to walk, I guess, or something from San Francisco to Philadelphia. I'm not going to make some cockamamie. Right. Uh, Gamble on it. Right. But, yeah, go ahead. Stick your neck out, Rank. Say something that other— Say what you have to say, or or are you not man enough to make a guarantee? No, I just—I think you may be going 0-2 on both these. Well, like I say, hear me now. Believe me later. Quickly, Rank, because we obviously have much to get to with Jeff Perlman and Eric Decker coming up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number 29, we like to honor the episode number by talking about the player who wore it best in NFL and uh, sports history overall— Eric Dickerson, tough to beat that one. I think he's got to be our number one.
2: Absolutely no question about it.
1: No question about it. What if I throw a name of your beloved Halos, Rod Carew? Not a fan. What do you mean not a fan? Not a fan of Rod Carew. How can you not be a fan of the arguably the best angel ever? Is that? Not a, no. Who's the best angel ever? Tim Salmon? Well, Tim Salmon is an he's an all-time angel because he went. Nolan
2: Ryan? His enti- he went his entire Craig career. Ross. See, but you're the thing with Tim Salmon is he went his entire career as an Angel. John is, Lackey? It's a lot, <laughs> Lackey. Lackey's doing now for the Angels, beating Boston, but he couldn't do. But as a Scott member of the Red Spizio? Sox. Scott Spezio The Spees. Who's have, the best
1: halo of all time if it's not Rodney Carew?
2: It is going to be Tim Salmon. <laughs>
1: Well, that the if Angel. that's true, then I'm sorry for your franchise's sorry history. Actually, or it could be Chuck Finley, because there's
2: not a lot. The Chuck
1: Angels, Finley, the Angels. The, the Angels weren't a team that
2: that grew a lot of players. Not back Bobby in the day. Gritch, Gritch, but he was an Oriole. So your guy Magic cannot have ever worn no, another I'm just uniform. Saying, I'm just saying, there's not a lot of Angel guys who are Angel to Angel their whole career. Even Garrett Anderson went out. Wally World Joiner,
1: he left. They traded him. Wow, you are really hardcore about your loyalty issues.
2: I'm not. It's not about loyalty, but there's there until Tim Salmon came along, we didn't have the one guy who was flat, you know, angel to angel his whole career. Yeah. So he's Mr. Angel, and now and, this is. And by the way, this Rod Carew. The the problem with him is he never hit with a person on base. Like he had those kind of padded stats, and he would be good, kind of like uh, you know some of the other current guys, maybe a rod or somebody who's not a he was very much he,
1: he was very much he was a slap hitter he was very much like tony tony gwynn with more discipline at the uh at the dinner table yes um, quickly, some other 29s, the great netminder, Kenny Dryden, some might say the greatest uh, goalie in NHL history. Michelle Dion, my personal favorite goalie of all time, great uh, Pittsburgh Penguin goalie. Ron Johnson won a uh, Super Bowl ring. Todd Fedorik, a, uh, a hockey player. So I guess we'll go Eric Dickerson after your Eric harsh. Dickerson. But Ken Dryden, though, if he's the greatest goalie in NHL history, you might make a case he's better than Eric Dickerson, who's probably top half dozen. But let's go Eric Dickerson. It's a football show after all, right? It's and, a nice... Um, it's a
2: nice uh, and speaking
1: of a football show, this program is available on iTunes, and we appreciate you subscribing and making comments and uh, and all that jazz. What'd you have to say there, Ranker? I was going to say, it's been a pretty nice run for people who have played at Anaheim Stadium.
2: Recently, we had... Uh, well, Gene Autry didn't play, but... Gene Autry was 26. We got Vladimir
1: Guerrero at 27, and now well Eric Vla- Dickerson at 29. Vlad Guerrero, maybe you make a case, is your greatest of all time. I know he came from Montreal. Nice I know the Montreal whole thing. God. By the way, uh, I say that this is a football program on a football network, the NFL network. Uh, we record this midday on Thursday, Thursday night at ten zero zero in the p.m. Eastern. You can watch A Football Life, a great uh, documentary program. I'm sure you've been looking at that with Belichick and uh, Reggie white and uh, yeah and kurt warner and everything else um tonight walter payton gets his turn uh, 10 o'clock thursday night friday it airs again at uh, 4 p.m eastern and then saturday at 9 p.m eastern be sure to check that out and speaking of that uh, a a uh, From what I've read of it, I've read, uh, I'd say about uh, a third of it so far, a uh, a very nice uh, new book, but it's getting all sorts of heat. Like I say, it's Sweetness, the Enigmatic Life of Walter Payton. Joining us right now, the author, the uh, man who's uh, who wrote the, uh, the incendiary column about John Rocker for Sports Illustrated years ago, books about Clemens, Bonds, the 86 Mets, and the 90s Cowboys. It's Jeff Perlman. What's going on, man?
3: Hey, I just want to say for the record, uh, the Rocker piece actually wasn't a column. It was a straight sort of news story. He just happened to be a very uh, racist human being. So <laughs> people, people almost remember, like, you slammed Rocker. I, I actually quoted him directly in a news story, and, uh, you know, it just, you know, he said what he said. So. What? You were just
2: you were just doing a normal piece, right? And you were driving in a car with him, and then he flipped out, so to speak?
3: Yeah, uh, it was pretty much seven hours of me and John Rocker, and him sort of enlightening me on his views on... You know, gays, blacks, uh, New York City. Uh, it's funny, though, the one group he did not install were Jews, and I'm actually Jewish, so maybe if I were Christian, he would have done that, too. I don't know. <laughs>
1: um, well, Jeff, like I say, you're getting all sorts of attention for the new book, and I guess I'll ask you the first question. Let's just get right right to it. Why do you hate Walter Payton so much?
3: Yeah, I hate—I actually—you know, it's funny. the uh, The last sort of paragraph or section of the book— in the acknowledgments, I actually write, I love Walter Payton. Um, and I do love Walter Payton. I think Walter Payton was a genius, you know, artistic genius as a football player. I think he was incredibly good to fans, more so than any sort of hero I've ever covered or written about. His decency to fans, the way he touched fans, the way he approached fans, the way he had time for fans was, was remarkable. Um, you know, that being said, I set out to write a definitive, all encompassing biography of Walter Payton, not a puff job, not a love piece. But a definitive sort of tale of his life, and when you find out, uh, for example, that the person you're writing about struggled with depression after his career was over, and struggled to struggle to such a point that he was contemplating suicide, if you're if you're writing a book, a definitive biography of someone, I don't, I just don't know how you don't write about it. I guess is my answer. I just don't know.
1: Do you suppose that this uh, sort of negative – because over the last couple of weeks, you've gotten a lot of heat, especially out of Chicago. Do you suppose that it's because people didn't anticipate that? They didn't see Peyton that way, whereas you talk about the 86 Mets and the early 90s Cowboys, everybody already knew that they were ne'er-do-wells. I mean, I assume that's what it's owed to, right?
3: Well, I think it's a combination of things. I think I think you're right. You know, people didn't expect this of Walter Peyton. Um, But I also think it's more than that. I think, uh, you know, I've been saying this, like, I have bad news for all the people who love George Clooney. You know, he goes to the bathroom. You know what I mean? (laughs) I have bad news for the little girls who are chasing after Justin Bieber. Once you actually track him down, I guarantee you he has some zits. You know, like, (laughs) it happens. We are not perfect. None of us are perfect. And I I do think when when celebrities and icons like Walter Payton um, die young, we tend to sort of place them on a completely uh, ludicrous and un- unrealistic pedestal where we think they were sort of these gods. And my sort of point is there's nothing wrong with learning that people are human and that people have hardships to overcome. And that, you know, to me, when Mike Dicka, so Mike Dicka took actually pretty reeled it back in a few days later, his criticism, or Mike Dicka talks about, you know, how dare you do this and blah, blah, blah. Like Mike Dicka has devoted a ton of time into his credit Helping uh, retired NFL players deal with the hardships of after their careers. Well, here's perhaps the greatest player in the history of the NFL, and lo and behold, we find out that he had hardships too, that he struggled, that he was aimless and sort of lost, and had family problems and had painkiller problems and didn't know what to do with himself. And to act like like acknowledging such is some sort of crime, or that it somehow diminishes the uh, the you know that it somehow diminishes the sort of uh, legacy is, is
2: ludicrous now Jeff when you started researching this topic of Walter Payton did you know all this stuff was in his closet or was this a surprise to you
3: um no it was uh, surprising I knew a lot about Walter Payton as far as uh football and when I was a kid growing up in Mayo Pack, New York I mean you know he was a guy poster on the wall kind of kind of player but you know I the first step I took in researching this book was reading Never Die Easy his autobiography and uh I read it and I thought wow you know what is there anything to write about this guy because it covered a lot, and i, I it sort of gave the presentation of this amazingly flawless, seamless life um, and then I started researching him mean, again, you just find out that he's human people say, "Oh, all this negative stuff, and I don't actually view it as negative. I view it as sort of the things that human beings go through, you know people get divorced, people have struggles, people battle with addiction. I've certainly had struggles in my life, I mean we all have um. So when I found out about it, it wasn't even like I was disappointed. I just thought, "Oh, this guy was a human. This guy was a human being who went through the same sort of things that we all go through."
1: Well, Rank uh, happens to struggle with uh, his eating habits. Oh, he, stop it! He's on a uh, three <laughs> pizza a day uh, habit. But uh, Ditka. You say he backtracked a little bit, but initially he said he would go so far as to spit on you. And then the the thing that's ridiculous is uh, that he he wondered why you you took twelve years to write the book after um, after Peyton, um, uh, uh, you know, twelve years after the death of uh, Walter Payton. Uh, you know, obviously that's coming, I assume, from a, a visceral place for Ditka, his coach, and everything else. But how do you react when you hear someone like that, or or for that matter? anybody react so negatively about something you've just spent two years of your life working on?
3: I think it's incredibly flawed sort of logic. I mean, if you, uh, if you look at the great biographies that are, that have been written, and I'm not, I'm not saying mine is, you know, one of the all time great biographies, blah, blah, blah. But like, if you look at the great biographies, you're looking at books written about John F. Kennedy about, I mean, let's talk sports, Vince Lombardi and Roberto Clemente, both by David Moranis, who might be the best out there, um, you know, about, you know, about deceased people and with their flaws included and their problems included. Uh, And then you go, I mean, one of the best biographies of of probably last year, of this year, was uh, Manning Maribel about Malcolm X, which talked to the fact that, you know, this outspoken leader um, had dalliances in homosexuality. And I'm not saying anything's wrong with that. I'm just saying it was a shocking thing to read about Malcolm X. This is what biography is. Biography is taking a person's life and preferably a whole life. And I actually think you're better, uh, you're better writing a biography when someone is deceased because you have the entire life to look at and to examine. And the true narrative of a person's life really doesn't take place until the person is deceased and you have a beginning, a middle, and an end. So to say, oh, you, how dare you write a, uh, uh, the true story of someone's life after he died. You're basically saying we are not allowed to learn from history. We can only learn from history if we can take it with sugarcoating and happy, happy talk. And if we ever write anything about a person that might be negative or hurtful or or sort of damage our image of them, um, that's that's wrong. And the thing the thing that I also has been bothering me is people keep saying to me, "Oh, the family. What about the family?" And it's certainly something you think about as a writer. But I really think what bothers most people and what has bothered most people in Chicago isn't the fact that I wrote something that's going to hurt some people. It's that I wrote something that hurt them, and that they had an idealized image of Walter Payton, an unrealistic image of Walter Payton. And the truth is he was a man, just like me and, you know, my dad and eight million people out there.
2: I think that's the problem, is that people perceive it as mean-spirited. They want to know about the Walter Payton who ran the hills, not the one who was pounding the pills.
3: Right. Oh, but, you rhymed uh, but, there. Yeah, that was very nice. <laughs> are, are you feeling ill? <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> Uh, your, your question answer, I will. I mean, I just think like, yeah, right. Um, I just think that, uh, yeah, if you want to look, if you are a diehard Walter Payton fan and you strictly want to know about the football player and that's it, and you want to have your memories, uh, that is completely and totally understandable. And there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. And I would actually say, and my publicist would kill me for this. Don't read the book. Because The book is a true story, and there's tons of positive in there. And there are things about him that people just don't know about, amazing things about his rise from segregated Columbia, Mississippi, him almost going to Kansas State but going to Jackson State, him changing his age to try and win the Heisman Trophy, the how he got his nickname, Sweetness, which nobody knows, uh, I guess before I start talking about this, you know, like – there are all these things in there, but if you don't want to know about the man, if you would rather just have a, sort of a surface image, again, I totally understand it, and I can appreciate that, and you probably shouldn't read a biography on it. Well,
1: actually, do that. I read that, and it is great. Uh, tell the story of uh, how he came to be sweetness.
3: Well, he was. there's always, like, you, you ask people, I've asked people, do you know how he became sweetness, and people always say, sweet runner, and I always say, nope, and they say, you know, sweet guy, and I always say, nope, which he was both, obviously, but... He was a. The NFL used to have this game, which I just wish they had because I think it's awesome, but they'll never have again. Um, uh, before, uh, or right around when training camps open, they used to have the uh, defending Super Bowl champions mm-hmm. play a team of college all stars. And in 1975, the Steelers were defending champions, and it's all college all stars who just graduated. Um, so this team in 75 was like Walter Payton, Randy White, Steve Barkowski, Ken Huff, uh, Pat McAnally, all these different guys. And they're working out at Northwestern, just coincidentally, not that far from where the Bears train. And one day Peyton takes a handoff in practice. And uh, he, uh, he takes a handoff and he approaches a defensive back. And he just screams out, your sweetness is your weakness. And he cuts and runs past him. And everyone's like, what the hell did Walter <laughs> Peyton just say? Something about your sweetness, sweetness, what the hell is that? And he's like laughing it up. They're all laughing it up. And the next day he shows up and he's writing sweetness across the blackboard. And that's how everyone starts calling him sweetness.
1: Excellent. Excellent. And by the way, I am in lockstep with you on that. I was uh, in Cowboy Stadium. That was the first time I became aware of it. They had a giant photograph of Bob Lilly tackling somebody and I I couldn't figure out what NFL team it was. I couldn't place the uniform, and then I realized it was the College All Star Game. Yes, yes, and a million yeses. We have to get this game back. How great would it be for the College All Stars to play the defending Super Bowl champions? This is dynamite.
3: It is, but it will never happen. I think for insurance reasons, more than anything. A
1: complete. Uh, in
3: fact, I'll tell you something interesting. Is Pat McNally, who went on to punt for the Bengals for about a decade, uh, was a was a wide receiver punter out of out of Harvard, and he played in that game. He was playing wide receiver. And he broke his leg in the end zone and missed the entire rookie year.
1: We'll see. Yeah, Uh, no, you're absolutely right. Of course, uh, yeah, no agent would ever allow their player to participate in a game like that. Now, all right, but I I, I don't want to belabor the point, but devil's advocate, do we need to know? I mean, because I'm with you, I'm on your side of things. But do we need to know? I mean, you know, celebrities in general, it feels like what about 15 or 20 years ago, we started to sort of track them through these magazines that are out that that many people hate. Other people read in the grocery aisle about to find out if Brad Pitt is with Jennifer Aniston or Angelina Jolie. Now it seems like I don't know what the decisive moment was. Was it a Rod when he was photographed on the streets? with a dancer or what it was, but it seems like now the floodgates are open through dead spin and everything else where we're now finding out about athletes. And was it a better time when we didn't know about Mickey Mantle or and, and he was merely a hero to people for his deeds or are we better off now?
3: See, it's an interesting question. I actually think, and this probably won't be a popular answer. I actually, I don't think, I don't need to see a picture of Matt Leinert sitting in a hot tub, you know, with a bunch of, of women, you know, and I think, or, you know what happened uh, to like Sean Salisbury I mean things like mm-hmm. that really bother me it really bothered me I think there's a big jump though from you know a rod getting fed popcorn from Cameron Diaz and someone has passed and his career and life are done and looking back at his life and sort of explaining and analyzing his life in a in a in a work you know in a 460 page book a biography not a it's not a sleaze job. I mean, this book—I don't know if either of you have read it yet—but it's not a sleaze job at all. It is a definitive biography of his life. It's not me standing outside the payton household looking for—you uh, mm-hmm. know—looking through the toilet paper. Like, so I think there's a big jump. I think definitive biographies are important, and I'm not saying look, Walter Payton wasn't Malcolm X and he wasn't John F. Kennedy. He was a football player, but he was a historic football player and an iconic football player. And I do think there are things to learn from people's lives. And people have said to me, "How would you feel?" I mean, you'd be dead, so you wouldn't know. But how would I feel if I were dead and I knew that someone was writing a biography of me and writing about my skeletons? And the truth of the matter is, I would be 100% okay with that because I don't. And it would never happen, obviously. But like, I'd be okay with that because I think I think definitive biographies of people's lives, their full lives, are very, very important teaching tools, sort of on 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 what transpires in, in, in the world. I just do. I really do. I love biography. I do.
2: And you raised a good point. It is something with the players, associates, and the alumni raising awareness of what happens to players afterwards. So it does serve a purpose there, too. But I I do want to say before we let you go, Jeff, I'm a big fan of your work. I loved your your, uh, book on the Cowboys. So now I'm excited to know what's next for you. What's the one thing? What do you want to tackle next?
3: I have a dream book, and I don't know if it can come true. I really do. I'm not kidding about this. I want to write a USFL biography.
1: Oh, oh that yes. would be great. I, I love uh, the USFL.
3: Let me ask you guys a question for real. I'm always told ah, no one would buy it. And I keep saying Donald Trump, Reggie White challenging the NFL. I just think it's a great, great story. But would people be interested in it?
1: Yes, so, absolutely. I, You know, personally, I was. I think uh, you and I are roughly the same age. I guess we all are about the same age. And, yeah, listen, when you are, at least for, for fellows like us, I mean, I I obsessively watch the USFL. Love and, the USFL. And I think you can make a uh, you know a, a pretty good argument that you know, people sort of lump it in with the XFL or the WFL. But it was totally a legit different. it was a yeah. legit league, and in fact, the Reggie White winds up, obviously, going down as one of the all-time greats, and he's in the Hall of Fame. But there are a lot of guys, Herschel Walker, maybe Mike Rogier. Steve Young. Steve. Well, no, Steve Young's a Hall of Famer. I'm thinking of guys, though.
3: Oh, yeah, Calvin Bryant.
1: That maybe um, maybe would have wound up in the Hall of Fame. Joe oh, Cribs, right. if he doesn't leave Buffalo and go to Birmingham, he maybe winds up in the Hall of Fame. It's fascinating stuff how it shaped individual careers and, and how it was a legitimate threat to the NFL. So, yes, even absolutely. Somebody, even somebody like Bernie.
3: It's also funny how like you know like the uh the breakers played in three cities in three years yeah, are like- you great.
1: I cannot believe uh, Pearlman, you're you're you read my mind, man. I was just <laughs> yeah. gonna say what's awesome about it is I, I don't want to steal your thunder, but I no. always make the point about the breakers that they played in three cities, and unlike the L.A. Lakers, which makes no sense, or the Utah Jazz, makes right. no sense. They go from Boston, which is uh, which which right, is associated right. with water, to New Orleans, to Portland, all of which yeah. have uh, a body of water near them.
3: I know, and also the uh, Chicago Blitz and Arizona Wranglers were traded for each other. Mm-hmm. Right. It's awesome. It's just awesome. Yeah, so thank you. I, I, I really would love to write that. If I can get a deal for that, I'm so into it. It's not even
1: fun. Well, let me ask you this then. You, I, you know, I, I did a, a a very slight amount of research. Unlike you, you're a bona fide uh, uh, journalist. Um, you know, I just like to recus- uh, recklessly speculate about things. But I did uh, look a little bit up on you, and you were, at, you started out as a food and fashion
3: critic. <laughs> I did. I was a uh, Nashville-Tennessee in 1994. I graduated from college, and uh, my first job was a food and fashion writer. All right, was, well, listen. Uh, I had no expertise, none.
1: Well, listen, you must have a little bit, and so now let's start there. Best USFL uniform, Mr. Fashion.
3: I would have to say, oh, easy, man. Oklahoma oh. Outlaws.
1: A good one, a good one, but I'm sorry, yeah. that's incorrect. The best, the, the best one, the Washington Federals. I don't know why no yeah. one's replicated that dark green in the silver pants. No, it was very okay. Handsome.
3: Trivia, trivia. Who did they become?
1: Who did the generals turn into? Yeah. No, the Federals. They,
3: they, they relocated.
1: Orlando.
3: No. Oh, and who is the coach of Orlando? I don't know. Lee Corso. Wow. Person, right. oh,
1: is that right? I consider yeah. myself knowledgeable about USFL, and I didn't know that one. The
3: Federals. Became you got to bring the heat, son. Next time you come here, you bring the heat. <laughs>
1: apparently. <laughs> yes, apparently. And um, what about that? Uh, well, let's uh, since we're talking uniforms, go ahead. What's the uh, what's the best NFL uniform?
3: Uh, I would have to say old school Tampa Bay.
1: Wow! A bold stroke. All right. All right. I disagree with you, but you're entitled to your opinion. You know what? You were a food critic. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you. Best uh, condiment? Oh, a relish, man. No, oh, I, I mean I agree with you on the larger stuff but it's when we start to narrow it down to really, the specifics yeah. that we I'm part sorry. ways, Perlman. No, of You know what? It's hot, it's it's dark mustard, but look out for sriracha. It is uh, rising right. with a bullet. Look out at uh, all the other We'll <laughs> keep an eye on that one. Okay, please do. Please do. All, all right. right, listen, Jeff Perlman, great work. Always enjoy uh, reading your stuff and uh Sweetness, the enema- en- enigmatic life of Walter Payton. Uh, can be had all over the place right now. And uh, yeah, let's kibitz about uh, the USFL or anything else you want to yap about sometime soon.
3: All right, I appreciate it. Take care. Be well.
1: I like him, Rank. I like you know. I, th- it's funny. We talked to Theismann last week, and I mm-hmm. and I agreed with him on virtually everything he had to say. And this time, again, at least in in macro terms, I agree with uh, with Perlman quite a bit on just about everything. And we need that USFL book. We absolutely do. But let me just say this to you. I don't want to. I don't want to embarrass you or anything, Rank. <laughs> but before we started. You said that you don't approve of this sort of thing of exposing the three dimensional uh, human being with when it comes to athletes.
2: I was initially wary of making what seemed like mean spirited kind of biographies or whatever. But what he said makes sense. I mean, there's so you're fine with that because
1: I was waiting for you to jump in and say, "Listen, I disapprove, sir." Why I'm not up on Mount Pius like you? Well, no, I. I, I... It's not about being up on Mount Pius. I thought, frankly, I thought you were. in uh, in Lake cowardice,
2: no. I I make I make my judgment <laughs> at the Barnes and Noble book counter by not buying it. What's the last What's the last book you read? The last book I'm reading Oscar Goodman's book right now. I don't know who that is. He was the mayor of Las Vegas. The uh, mob.
1: The mob. Oh yeah, lawyer I met him once. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I interviewed some, him once. Where oh, Corolla did? I was on when I was on Corolla's radio show. He came in. Yeah,
2: I was reading that, and before that, I put
1: down a book on the Secret Service. Good for you, Rank. I like to like to hear that you're reading books. No wonder you're so smart. That's why. That's that's good. It makes sense. Thank you. Right now, Rank, we're going to keep the guest uh, the the guest list rolling guest. here. This is great. We talked about Tebow in Side A. What we think apparently we disagree on where Tebow's going and what where the Broncos are going yes. this season. Now let's talk to a guy who certainly he's going to have to depend on if uh, Tebow is going to earn that starting job beyond 2011 this is one guy who's going to have to definitely keep it rolling having a very nice season so far eric decker what's going on man
4: i'm doing well thanks for having me on
1: sure thing sure yeah, thing nice how you, you spending the uh, bye week
4: i came back to minnesota uh i just actually finished up with a workout today and we go up to my parents house spend some time with them and uh, i got a little step brother who's still in high school and i haven't seen play football yet he's got a game Friday night so I'm excited for
1: that excellent is the U at home or the Gophers playing in uh, the Twin Cities this weekend they're not no
4: they got a bye week so unfortunately I can't see them play
1: oh you've got to be the best alumnus in the NFL right now maybe Marion Barber the third don't you have enough juice to dictate to the Gophers when they schedule their (laughs) games
4: right they're going to schedule their games around our bye week so we can come back home
1: Yes, yes, indeed. So, um, all right. Listen, let's talk about what uh, obviously any football fan is talking about the last uh, the last week or so. Tim Tebow, the fourth quarter he had that led to, to uh, John Fox anointing him. I don't know if you heard that. That's made it's uh, the word around the Broncos uh, locker room, right? That Tim Tebow is the starter.
4: Yeah, you know, we uh, came in Tuesday and had practice Tuesday, Wednesday. Coach Fox uh, had a team meeting that morning, and announced that they're going to make a change at the quarterback position, and um, I think maybe you know more guys than not foresaw that coming. But at the same time, you know we got to respect uh, his decisioning and, and move forward with it.
1: Well, listen, I appreciate, Eric Decker, if you don't uh, go up on Coy Hill with this. I understand that you want to be politically correct with this. But Kyle Orton, has, uh, you've you have developed a nice little relationship with Kyle Orton. You've been uh, having some nice personal uh, numbers uh, pretty much every week so far this season. How does this change affect you? Are you looking forward to working with Tim Tebow? Yeah,
4: you know, I am. I am. And uh, I'm a competitor and I want to win. Whatever you're going to do to make that happen. And obviously, we have uh, some timing things that we need to go through. And just, I think the practice, the experience we get together is just going to make us uh, more fluid because, you know, as a receiver and a quarterback relationship goes, there's a lot of routes that our timing are timing or, you know, guys run uh, routes differently. So he's just got to be able to experience that with every guy. And, and I know that I want to be successful and I want the team to be successful. So that's something that I think we have to stress going forward.
2: And it seemed that the move to put Tim Tebow at starting quarterback was preordained way back into the preseason. As a player getting ready now going forward, is it kind of a relief to have this behind you and have the quarterback situation settled?
4: Well, you know, there's always the attention that we had between the quarterback controversy, you know, going into the season, preseason, who's going to be the starter. And, you know, Coach Fox had open competition at every position. And I really believe that Kyle Orton outperformed him in camp he played real well you know and offensively in the preseason we were we were clicking we were moving the ball we weren't turning to trying the ball over making plays and stuff and you know uh, things didn't go away in the first five games of the season so uh coach figures you know a change of that position is going help spark or just change um our philosophy
1: Well, it's two completely different styles. Orton obviously stands in the pocket, has a uh, has a pretty good arm back there. Tim Tebow running around and has a a really struggles to ball uh, struggles to get the ball downfield. How has the offense been tailored now to accommodate that? I mean, is it do you notice as a uh, as a wide receiver now a couple years and looking at those big league arms, uh, you know, uh, spinning it over to you? Do you notice a discernible drop off in Tebow's arm strength? And if so, how is that going to affect you personally and your ability to run the deep routes?
4: Well, I think he has the ability. I've seen, I've seen flashes in practice. I've seen him throw the ball, you know, through summer workouts, and it's just about being consistent. I think everybody that comes into a league as a young player has a learning curve, and obviously his offense in college was a spread uh, play action. You know, not many deep throws. I had a couple, but um, I know. That kid's the hardest worker I've ever met. I know if something needs to be done, he's going to work towards it. You know, it may not be perfect at first, and that's something um, that we're going to get better at as time goes on. We may have tailored and just have maybe shorter games, but we do need to stretch the field and have some big plays just to kind of keep the defense honest. And, that's, you know, that just comes with work. It comes with the grind.
1: Well, you know, you are sort of a modern day version of Heinz Ward, or probably about ten, twelve years younger than than Heinz is. But you were obviously anybody who watch who watches Big Ten football remembers how dynamite you were. You can get the ball down there yourself if need be. Who can throw the ball farther, you or Tebow?
4: <laughs> Definitely Tebow. Yeah, I played a little baseball in my days, but uh, when that ball comes out of my hands, you know, I don't know where it's going and if it's going to even be close to a spiral. So I'll give that to him.
1: All right, see that's very that's being a good teammate. Even if even <laughs> if you can not out throw him, you 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 covered up there. And do you expect that we'll see any uh any Brady Quinn at some point this season?
4: You know, he's getting the rest in practice, um and he's been doing well too. He's been he's been consistent. Obviously, uh you know, coach wanted to go with with Tebow and uh and Brady I think, you know, is behind and supportive. Obviously as a competitor you want to play so he's gonna keep practicing. Like, you know, just the next play is going to be his, and I know he's working hard.
1: Well, excellent stuff, Eric Decker. And uh, last question for you, big news uh, out of the Broncos world for a uniform advocate like me. I love the uniforms. What do you think, the navy blue jersey or the orange jersey?
4: For home, I'm going orange. I love that orange crush. Um, I think it it looks better, too, on us in the blue.
1: You like the modern-day version, or you like the Elway era better?
4: I like the Elway era better. You know, I, I got one of those old school hats with the old logo. I thought that was pretty cool. But, you know, obviously things well, change and, 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 and designs change as well.
1: You would think Elway would, you know, he played in that jersey. He's the man in charge. Now you think he would uh, say, <laughs> we're going back to that look. But, uh, Eric Decker, listen, thanks so much for the time. Enjoy your week off and have a good time up there in Minnesota. I appreciate it. You take care. All right. Continued thanks, success Eric. to you. Nice guy, Rank. I, I like, like him. Yeah, me too. Seems like a good teammate. But he was Frank. You could you could hear you could read in between the lines. He understands that Tebow, Tebow doesn't have the same arm that Orton has. That but he's, he, he's behind him. Is that what he said? I'm reading between the lines. He <laughs> yes. acknowledged it. Yes, you're taking yes, you're taking some liberties with that. I am not taking liberties, and in fact, he supported Tebow versus his own arm. So that's why I'm saying he's a good teammate. Anyway, all right, Rank. Denver is not playing. We'll probably jump into the DeLorean to see how they do in Miami in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. But right now, how say you, let's jump into the DeLorean and figure out the uh, the who wins the the biggest games this week. You should be paying attention because we are currently 17 and 6 on the season. So with that being said, this to the future. This is what makes time travel possible. The flux
0: capacitor.
1: Oh. all right, yeah, <laughs> how's your appetite? <laughs> Always good, right. always yes. good, right? Well, perfect because we're in the New Jersey uh, at a New Jersey landmark, Satrials. You remember it from uh, Tony Soprano and the company hanging out Absolutely. there? Absolutely, yeah. I think they once put uh, who was it? They, they 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 ground somebody up in there, right? Yes, I'm a little <laughs> nervous. Don't make eye contact with anybody in they there. Put them in the meat grinder. All right, <laughs> so we'll get to what happened on Sunday on Monday night in the Meadowlands in just a second, but. I dropped you off, right? And then I took the DeLorean and I went to a few games. Let me quickly tell you how those worked out. I went to my hometown of Pittsburgh, PA. I paid a visit to Heinz Field. The Steelers, they continue to beat up on these uh, weak sisters of the NFL. Just in time, 27 to 16, the Steelers take care of the Jags. Then I headed over to our nation's capital. Philadelphia, D.C. Turns out I'm right. I've been saying the Eagles are just about to turn it around. Michael Vick got on track. They followed his lead. They guaranteed it. 27 to 17. They take care of the skins. They're back in it. They're relevant once again. I headed up to the Motor City from there. Everyone's buzzing about them. Long trip over for the 49ers. Quietly also having a nice season. This time, Detroit stays undefeated. 24-14, to they beat the Niners. And lastly, I made it over here to the Meadowlands to watch the New York Giants beat the Buffalo Bills 24-17. to Where did Excellent. you head there, Rank? Yeah, thanks for sending me to all the yeah, garden
2: got- spots. You got to go to the cool places, Detroit, Philadelphia. I went to Baltimore. Yeah. I did get the best game, though. The two best teams in the AFC, Baltimore and Houston, Baltimore, though, proved to be no contest. They crushed the Texans 28-13. Obviously, the Texans are without Andre Johnson. That hurts a little bit. They, things No Mario
1: Williams. Yes, like.
2: things could be a little bit different in the future. But for right now, Baltimore is the best team in the AFC. I did go to – Oak. yeah, thank you. I went to Oakland also. Really? Thanks. But the, the Raiders keep winning in memory of Al Davis – They beat the Cleveland Browns 30-17. I like like
1: this Raiders team. They're going to continue this role for a little while. Hear me now, believe me later. You look at teams like that that play for something,
2: that have something to prove. The Raiders are going to be a good team in the AFC. Maybe the second-best team now. We'll see how they keep going.
1: And seems finally, like you're sleeping on a team named the New England Patriots.
2: See, I'm not. I'm not super excited about the Patriots' defense. The Patriots' defense looks absolutely awful. They're going to be good in the regular season. They're going to win games like they did. They beat the Cowboys 34-23. It was kind of a nice game. I like Gillette Field, uh, John. Uh, that was nice. Did you have some chowder? Yeah, John Lackey and I, uh, Josh Beckett. We hang out. We drank oh, yeah, some the fried
4: foods, beers.
2: Yeah. Ch- you know, chicken wings, all that stuff. We watched the Patriots win thirty-four twenty-three. But that defense is a concern to me. Tony Roma, though had three touchdowns, which was good for my
1: uh, fantasy team. And then of course, just before we headed over here to Satrials, we went back to the Meadowlands to watch uh, to watch the Jets get it on there. They take care of business, seventeen to nine. They pull it out. Hell say you, Rank? Mark Sanchez at his best, doing nothing. <laughs> That's a shame. That's about as good as it's going to get. <laughs> Enough to get a W and uh, keep Rex Ryan's playoff hopes flickering, though they may be, keep them alive. Mark my words. Here's another. Believe me. Hear me now. Believe me later. The Jets shall not be in the postseason. All right, Rank. What say you? Let's go in there. Let's pick up some uh, some smoked links and grill them up on the uh, on the sidewalk. There. But no eye contact and don't talk to anybody. All right. Let's just head back. Let's just. All right. Let's just head back to last Thursday. Here we go. All right, good times. Listen, rank. Lots of fun. We talked to Pearlman on Side A about right. uh, sweetness and about uh, journalistic e- uh, ethics. Heady stuff. Also, USFL. So. That's fun to talk about. Condiments. Th- that was good.
2: You don't like relish, though. I'm surprised. Where was you? Nah. You're sweet. cowardice. Too sweet. See, you were...
1: I th- I shot him down. What else did you want me to say about it?
2: You lightly moved on to brown mustard. All right. By the way, put there's this place in Huntington Beach where you can create your own burgers. I put the spicy brown mustard on a hamburger.
1: Awesome. Oh, delicioso, delicioso. All right, listen. I don't think there's a better note that we can finish on. So let's just stop here. We'll be back next week. But in the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into
0: your shower feeling